the Fantasy Football Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and the bad news is that Jameis Winston is taking his injured shoulder to Dr. James Andrews. Rut-row. The good news is that he was not caught shoplifting in China. I'm Jeff Dooley, and that's not the only piece of bad news for Jameis Winston in that he also managed to get his team's best wide receiver suspended uh, through his actions after he went out of the game. Well done. Well done indeed. I know. His role in that has been underplayed, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we are entering Week 10, and that means every NFL team has played at least eight games. We are at the midseason, and more importantly, in most formats, that means we're heading into the home stretch, about five weeks left to the fantasy football regular season. So decision-making now, pretty much absolutely critical going forward. So we're going to spend this episode evaluating some pivotal players, including some we think have MVP potential heading down the home stretch. And that brings us to the big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. So a big mazel tov to Jeff Dooley comes back to us, a married man. And well done, Jeff. As our wedding gift to you, Jeffrey, as our wedding gift to you, you get the big idea this week. This is exciting. Almost as exciting as while I'm gone, uh, seeing every player in the NFL be traded uh, right ahead of the trade <laughs> deadline. It, uh, it looks like fantasy land, uh, sort of on the bottom of every scrolling TV at, at every, uh, <laughs> yeah, you- every bar or restaurant I was away. It was like, no, Kelvin Benjamin wasn't traded to the Bills, JHI on the Eagles. So pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, so the big idea this week, we're talking uh, second half fantasy MVPs. And I am going to go with, uh, uh, for my big idea, Dak Prescott. Of the Cowboys quarterback will be the second half fantasy football MVP. Reason uh, it's partly tied to Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, we don't know exactly what his legal situation uh, will become, but I think there's a very good chance he's going to miss time. They're going to have to rely more on Dak. And truthfully, uh, the post Adam Kilgore wrote this uh, after uh, after Sunday's game. Th- this is really becoming Dak's team, Dak's offense in a way. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott's still very important. Uh, one of the best backs in the entire game, but I think Dak Prescott, he's proven uh, he's emerging as an NFL star, but he's a fantasy football star as well. I think he could be the number one fantasy quarterback down the stretch. Yeah, he's he's been so impressive. And, you know, in, in the preseason, I think we all sort of downplayed his chances of, of even having as good a fantasy season as he did last year, I think when he finished sixth among quarterbacks. Right. Partly because we thought his rushing touchdowns wouldn't sustain. Well, it sure looks like they are. And also, I just thought his efficiency last year was so remarkable for, for any kind of quarterback, let alone a rookie, that it seemed to me like he could still play really well this year and still not have as good a season as he did last year. But if anything, he's built on it. And what's remarkable about him is he's making do with not a whole lot there in the Dallas passing game. I mean, Des Bryant's sort of been in and out of the lineup. Um, and he's you know, and the secondary weapons there just aren't very impressive. I mean, Terrence, no, no. you know, he's, he made a star out of telling Terrence Williams in the last game, and Williams is a guy who's really just seems like just a guy. I think they like him for his downfield blocking as much as anything else. Gets Cole Beasley involved when he has to. Bryce Butler comes Cole, up with big Cole plays. Cole Beasley touchdown machine, by the <laughs> yeah. way. Well, in two games, yes, in two <laughs> games he has two touchdowns. In the other six games, I think he has zero. But you know, yeah, Bryce Butler is good for a big play here. Jason Witten, you know, I think is is on his last legs, almost literally. Uh, you know, and, and but you know, Dak just makes it happen. So uh, very impressive guy. And when you look at the, he's fourth now among quarterbacks in fantasy scoring. And when you look at the three quarterbacks ahead of him, you have Carson Wentz 
It wouldn't be a shock if Wentz kind of fell off a little bit because he has also has been amazingly efficient. Right. Uh, Alex Smith, I think it would not surprise anybody if he fell off his, his pace. He already is, is beginning to, it appears. Then you have Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks, I think, are still a little bit of a, of a mystery team. So it wouldn't be surprising if, at the very least, Dak finished first among quarterbacks by the end of the season. So Prescott was underestimated by NFL teams on draft day. I think he was underestimated by most fancy owners on fantasy draft day this year. What makes you a believer down the stretch, Jeff? I, I just think there's there's a very reasonable chance that Elliott's going to be out, uh, and they're you know they're going to be fighting for their their playoff lives. Obviously, if he's out and it's Alfred Morris or or uh, or Darren McFadden having to carry the load, that's a different sort of deal. But I just think they've gone to a more pass heavy attack this year in year two. He's clearly more comfortable with it, uh, and I think they're more confident in him. So I, I think especially and he's still got that dual threat ability. We sort of doubted the rushing touchdowns. You know, Des mentioned it. I, I was chief among those uh, those people as well. So. Uh, he continues to be a dual threat guy. Deshaun Watson obviously went out with the with the torn ACL. I think he would be the top contender to be number one. I think without him, I think it's Dak. All right. So if it's not going to be Dak Prescott as your second half fantasy MVP, does who would you submit will be the best player to, to own down the stretch? Yeah, I'm not really overthinking this, guys. I'm going with Antonio Brown. Wow. Uh, especially if we're... It's a pretty broad limb you're at on there. Look, you want you want the top fantasy player, the most valuable to your fantasy team down the stretch? I, I Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's a stretch of any sort to say Antonio Brown, especially if we're defaulting as we tend to here to PPR formats. But even not, I mean, he's second among wide receivers in both, P, in both fa- standard and PPR formats. And first is DeAndre Hopkins. You know, when we just talked about you know, quarterbacks who may not be able to sustain their pace. I mean, I don't think we, anyone expects DeAndre Hopkins now that Tom Savage is throwing him the ball or TG8 or whoever they bring in there uh, is going to stay as the number one wide receiver. I mean, Antonio Brown has been the gold standard for fantasy consistency for several years running now. And what you also like is his rest of the season schedule um, has some pretty nice matchups, starting with the Colts this week where uh, Vontae Davis, I think, will be out again. So, that should be an excellent matchup for the for the Steelers. Titans certainly are no great shakes against the pass. The Packers are after that. They're very vulnerable to the pass. Then you have a couple of tougher matchups in the Bengals uh, and Ravens, but then you get the Texans and the Browns. Um, that's in Browns are in Week 17, so maybe that doesn't matter so much. Oh, and the Patriots are also on mm-hmm. the Steelers' playoff mm-hmm. uh, fantasy playoff uh, schedule. So you know a lot of great matchups down the stretch, and just. You know, I think he's he's the most reliable. He's been the most reliable performer in fantasy, and we haven't seen anything this season to change that assessment. You can make an argument that it's Antonio Brown one, Le'Veon Bell two. I mean, that that Steelers offense hasn't yeah. quite fully hit its stride yet, mm-hmm. uh, and because of that slate of defenses that that Des mentioned, I think there's an opportunity for for both of those guys and and, and several of the key components there. And, and all the more so because this has been kind of a weird year for wide receivers, right? I mean, some of the guys. I mean, Odell Beckham went out early. Julio Jones has been all over the place. A.J. Green has been much more inconsistent than I ever thought he would be. Jordy Nelson obviously lost his quarterback. Des Bryant, you know, like we mentioned, has sort of been up and down and, and been banged up a little bit. You know, you look at the wide receivers. So, so Hopkins is first. Antonio Brown is second. Number three, uh, and this is in PPR formats, for the season so far, Tyreek Hill. Uh, yeah, there's four, a pretty big gap there, too. Yeah, number it? four, Doug Baldwin. Number five, Larry Fitzgerald. I don't think we think Fitzgerald will stay there. Number six, Jarvis Landry. Then T.Y. Hilton, who's been all, all I'm saying is, yeah. like, I, you know, it's not the usual crew of superstar right. wide receivers contending for that top spot either. So I think that all the, all the more reason to think of Antonio Brown is emerging by the end of all this. Well, speaking of emerging, I think for my second half MVP, I'm going to touch on a running back who hasn't quite taken the league by a storm like we thought we would. Guess where Christian McCaffrey ranks in PPR formats for running backs? I'm going to guess fifth. Des? 
I think I made note of this, so I'll just let you tell us. Okay. Yeah, I probably, in hindsight, should not have shared that information before the podcast. Good thing I don't read your emails, man. Oh, oh, that's touching, Jeff. Make that mental note for later. Anyway, he ranks 11th, which I thought was surprisingly high. Apparently, Jeff thinks that's low. uh, Well, the the tenor of the question was implying (laughs) that it was higher than I anticipated, so I went higher. We might have thought maybe top 10 if we were going to... I clearly underestimated (laughs) y'all's intuition. Uh, That said, I think that... He's been fairly unremarkable with the exception of last week to date, and he's still number 11. This has been a fairly underwhelming year for fantasy scoring. There hasn't been a ton of big plays out there, uh, and McCaffrey is one of those guys, in PPR formats especially, that has a really super high floor. He's averaging six catches per game, so you're basically starting with six points every time you put him in your lineup. And most encouraging to me, last week, after the Kelvin Benjamin trade, he was on the field for 80% of the snaps. That's a season high. He's going to take the job from Jonathan Stewart. We know that that the team wants to create opportunities for him. If he is going to get 80% of the snaps going forward and get 15 carries, another career high like he did last week, I think the ceiling goes way, way up, and he has the potential to get into the top five for running backs or, in this case, meet Jeff Dooley's expectations. Yeah, that's right. I've been a little over uh, on the expectations on McCaffrey from the beginning, but I totally agree. Basically, he's done this without any explosive plays of any kind and that was the hallmark of his college career he has that potential his uh his lateral agility uh, as it was measured as the combine some of the best that's ever been put up so he has that potential finally it looked like there was a little running room for him last week uh so so i don't disagree i I could see him continuing to to move up there he is a big part of that offense yeah it was encouraging they talked about when they made the Kelvin Benjamin trade, we want to like try to free up some room for, for, our, for our running game, and he immediately goes on and has 66 yards, which doesn't sound like a ton, but that's easily a season high for him. That's in terms of rushing. You know, and he, I mean, he'd had an odd season on the ground. He'd only, rushed, he'd only rushed for over 20 yards in two games and had five games with 10 or fewer rushing yards. And what's kept him afloat in fantasy is he has 54 receptions, which by far leads all uh, running backs. James White, I think, is second with 43. So in PPR formats, he's, he's been pretty good so far. But as you said, yeah, he really hasn't had those massive plays. Those might be coming down the stretch, especially if he can be more effective and more efficient in, in the running game. Let's talk some dark horses because I know each of you have, have a, some second-half MVP dark horses that are really intriguing. All right, so if I was going to hedge my bet, I'm going to go with Jay Ajayi. And here's why. He had the ability last season. We all saw that. Now he's got the opportunity behind a much better offensive line in yep. Philadelphia. So, I mean, if you take the ability, he had six touchdowns inside the 20 this year. Well, LeGarrette Blunt has been that goal line back for the Eagles. He's got just two this year. He's not getting it done. I think if they give those opportunities to Ajay and combine that with the fact that he went from the number 32 scoring offense to the number two scoring offense, that really, really increases his potential. And if they give him more opportunities, he's going to blow the lid off this thing. Yeah, the only the only problem with that is that Ajay doesn't play this week, so it's going to be pretty hard for him to be okay. the second so half MVP next when week. Okay, well, look, you know, if we're saying starting from now, it's going to be a bit tricky. But yeah, Ajay, you know, he certainly went to a way better situation. Uh, I'm going to go with the running back. Also, my guy is Alvin Kamara. I like Kamara. This. Kamara. I like this a lot. You know, uh, we talked about McC- where McCaffrey ranks. Kamara is ninth among running backs in PPR, tied with Leonard Fournette. And he's, he's trending upwards for sure. Like over his past five games, he scored four times. He's averaged 103.6 yards from scrimmage in those games. And rest of the season looks really nice for the Bills. I mean, uh, excuse me, for, for the Saints, who clearly are turning into more of a, a running-type t- team with Mark Ingram there as well. They get the Bills. Uh, the Redskins, the Rams, are very vulnerable to the run. 
They get the Falcons twice in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, if you're going to Week 17, they get the Bucks as well. In general, like I think Kamara could really just keep on his upward trend and, and be dominant down the stretch. First of all, is it Kamara or Kamara? Uh, yeah, you I just d- said it the same way. It depends I know on which family member you exactly. Ask. His mom pronounces it one way, and he pronounces it another way. I don't know. Well, I'm going to go with Kamara for now, uh, but but we'll see. I, I I think there's an argument to be made that he might be the most efficient. Uh, offensive skill player in the NFL this season. Number wow. three in yards per route run among running backs. This is per uh, pro football focus. Uh, he's behind only Chris Thompson and Tariq Cohen there. Uh, and then as a as a runner, yards after contact per attempt, he ranks third among all running backs as well. So he's just somebody yep. who's really doing a ton uh, with every, every touch he gets. The other guy I'll throw out there continuing the year, the rookie running back, I think Leonard Fournette could be the second half. Uh, fantasy MVP, a uh, lot of forgiving run defenses the rest of the way, and Jacksonville is going to have to ride him. So he's he's a guy who's been uh, been very efficient with his carries as well. Yeah, he just needs to not lose sight of the bigger picture. If you if you say what I was going with with that, mm. because he missed the team photo, <laughs> yes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it took us a while, but. <laughs> All right, uh, one other super dark horse. Depending on how things shake out on Friday. The second half fantasy MVP could be the U.S. judicial system if Ezekiel Elliott remains eligible. You're going to want to stay tuned. His next hearing is Thursday. We should know by Friday. And whichever way the case goes, that should be how it sets up for the rest of the season. If he remains eligible, he should be able to weather the rest of the season and play. Uh, if he is, if he doesn't remain eligible, he's probably done for the year. And for fantasy purposes, we know that's true. All right. With that in mind. Let's welcome in Pat Doherty from Roto World to help us reassess some of the fantasy players who haven't quite panned out as expected over the first half of the season. Pat, thanks again for taking the time to join us today. Uh, it's my pleasure, guys. Uh, we're just going to talk about Josh Gordon the whole time, right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I was told. So. Yes. so much to talk about with him. He's been reinstated to the podcast as well. All right, well, we are going to want to talk about some other divisive uh, figures, but more so for fantasy purposes purposes than actual uh, opinions and futures in the NFL. So let's start with Kareem Hunt. Obviously a huge name at the first half of the season. Hasn't really panned out the la- as expected the past couple outings. What should we make of Kareem going forward? Is there a reason to be a little bit skeptical? I don't think so. I mean, I definitely understand why people would be skeptical. Uh, he just played his lowest snap percentage of the year in Week 9. Uh, it's been held under 10 carries in two of the past four games, You know, kind of like maybe the Chiefs are concerned about him wearing down. Uh, that's something that they witnessed last year with Spencer Ware. He got off to a really hot start, and he really wore down. And you know, maybe Andy Reid kind of trying to play it safe with a rookie running back. You know, This can be by far the longest and most grueling uh, season of his football playing career. But uh, Kareem Hunt, he's too important to the offense. Uh, he's put too many amazing plays on film for his role to really change. You know, to no secret, Andy Reid uh, has been known to misuse uh, his weapons. No. And I think it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, shocking. It was, I always blow your guys' mind. Uh, this is We need to build the whole podcast around that, actually. <laughs> um, but... You know, it's, it's a good time for the Chiefs buy. He can do some soul-searching. Uh, comes out with a really great matchup, I think, in the Giants. Hopefully I'm not misspeaking there. But I know he's coming out of the bye with a really great matchup. And I think we'll see a full recommitment to Kareem Hunt. And uh, people can kind of, you know, th- things will be back in order, basically, after the Chiefs buy. All right, sounds encouraging there. Let's get to another running back of uh, who's been a little bit vexing in fantasy terms, and I'm talking about Joe Mixon of the Bengals. You know, I thought when he came into the league, we thought his only issue would be competition for touches. 
And the, but it seems like Jeremy Hill has just fallen off the map altogether, and they've really exed uh, Gio Bernard also out of the game plan, which I don't necessarily think is a great idea. But you know, Joe Mixon seems like he's been the dominant back there, and it's still not really translating to fantasy goodness. I mean, he's scored a couple touchdowns in, in a couple of his r- most recent games, but he's tied for uh, Christian McCaffrey for last among qualified running backs at 2.9 yards per carry. He's really yet to have a, a breakout game. Even that game recently where he had a 67-yard play on a screen pass, he didn't quite make it into the end zone when it looked like he probably should have since he broke into the open field. I mean, can we expect Joe Mixon to, you know, are we going to get those breakout games from him, or is he just always going to be this sort of maddeningly sort of falling short of what we want him to be for the rest of the season, which may just be the Bengals' fault and not his? I, it's hard to say whose fault it is exactly. Uh, you know, the workloads have been so inconsistent. Uh, like you said, he is finally kind of emerging as the man there. It's been it's been like slow motion, like literally like claymation, like <laughs> Joe Mixon emerging as the lead back in the backfield there. And the struggles, I think it's a confluence of events. I mean, he's a struggling rookie. Uh, the offensive line has really been struggling. Uh, the coaching staff is in seems to be in disarray. You know, they're already on their – second offensive coordinator of the season, Marvin Lewis. Uh, he's never been confused for an elite, uh, definitely an elite offensive coach. Seems to be kind of more off his game than ever. And maybe Joe Mixon, you know, a lot of times it happens rookies, they get a little too focused on busting big plays. I think there's been some of that going on with him. But kind of laying out all the negatives there, uh, I still think it's probably set up for a solid finish for him. It will not be consistent. But I, I would guess that he's probably still had his two or three best games of the season left in him. And he's just kind of – he's getting the lay of the land. You know, he's, he's worn down the backfield competition. And, you know, it's kind of shaping up to be a lost season for them too. So, they, you know, what do they have to lose? They need to get Joe Mixon going kind of for their future. So, another guy, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I kind of see – I think Joe Mixon's uh, best football and best fantasy football is still ahead of him this season. So one question we were asking about Ben Roethlisberger was, what's he have left? And he seemed to not even know at one point this season, is he going to get back into Big Ben form going forward, or is this really just sort of going to be a middling fantasy quarterback option, You know, maybe a bye week guy for the next two weeks, and that's pretty much it? It is a good question. You know, When you ask Ben about his own performance, he's kind of been given like the shrug emoji. <laughs> and basically, basically, like, oh, you know, maybe I'll retire today. You know, I maybe I'm not. He at one point he did say maybe he said something like literally like maybe I'm not good anymore. I think he said uh, maybe which, I know, just don't have it. Yeah, I don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah. you know, which is always great to hear that <laughs> yep. uh, in the middle of the season from uh, someone you're really depending on. Uh, ben has yet to have a free touchdown game, which is basically unheard of for someone who's kind of made his name on like you know, having bonkers games, but. Kind of like the first two guys, you know, I think his best football probably still ahead of him. Uh, the schedule really opens up the next three weeks. They have the Colts, who are barely fielding a defense. You have the Titans, who are a little more – they're more uneven than bad, but definitely a rippable defense. And you have the Packers' defense is kind of collapsing. So I think it was another guy who was a really good time for his bye. So comes off bye, gets to clear his head, gets a few nice matchups, and – you know, we always think about Ben as a guy who has all these weapons, and you know, he has two, arguably the two best weapons in the NFL, and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, but you know, didn't have a third guy this year, and he, they're used to kind of being three or four deep of kind of dynamic weapons, and it looks like finally uh, they're kind of getting a, a viable receiver behind Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, so I think things are kind of, the Steelers are probably lucky to be in the position they are, you know, well within striking distance of winning the division, you know, maybe getting a bye in the playoffs. I think, I think they kind of had a best-case scenario uh, considering how poorly 
Ben has played at times. I, I think it will. Uh, I'm going to go three for three on saying it's going to come together. <laughs> wow. Ben Roethlisberger will get going. Class is very half full. Yeah, f- full, of optim- <laughs> full of optimism. All right, we'll test your optimism with, with the next player I'm going to ask about. And we talked earlier about the pod- earlier in the podcast about kind of what a weird year it was for wide receivers and some of the usual names you expect to see at the top of the leaderboard aren't there. Uh, you know, obviously Odo Beckham is out with an injury, but guys like Julio Jones and A.J. Green have been much more inconsistent uh, than expected. But even still, when you go through the top 15, it's usually it's full of sort of familiar names, if nothing else. You have Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, even Marvin Jones, Michael Thomas. Then you get to number 16 in uh, PPR scoring for the season, and it's Adam Thielen. And I don't think we expected that going into the season. You know, I, I, we're, I'm not sure where we are with Stephon Diggs, but he's probably coming back. But even, even with Diggs there, Thielen's been a very consistent player. Uh, is, can we expect him to remain sort of a steady wide receiver, too, the rest of the way? I'm going to go four for four and say yes. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Thielen, you know, the guy who actually, I mean, uh, this, this phrase has become so overused as to kind of become meaningless, but had a pretty nice under-the-radar 2016. I think he was like 20, I think he was 27th in yardage. Don't ask me why I remember that, but I do. And uh, he had a 200-yard game last December, so wasn't completely out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, he's, he's the only player in the NFL this season to catch five passes every game. You know, that's, that's insane in week 10. It's insane that anyone has caught five passes every game, and it's more insane that it's Adam Thielen is the guy who's done it. And I think he is just set up for success going forward because they use him in the slot. They use him outside. So he's kind of moving all over the field, which helps keep the matchups good. And if Stefan Diggs kind of can't seem to get healthy, uh, the only thing I would say is, Maybe a concern for Adam Thielen is you know, Teddy Bridgewater might be under under center here in the next two or three weeks, and Thielen already survived one quarterback change from Sam Bradford to Case Keenum, right. but you know he hasn't really played much with Teddy Bridgewater, and who knows? It's even when a guy is, you know having a great season, you never quite know what's going to happen when there's a change under center. So I might say that's the only thing that uh, maybe looms as a concern for Thielen, but you could argue Thielen is actually kind of underperformed in fantasy because he has all these catches and all these yards but i think he only has like one or two touchdowns he's got kind of like a flukily low touchdown rate for as involved as he's been in the passing game so yeah i would say maybe just a little caution if teddy bridgewater takes over but i think he's a legit player and i uh, i think he'll remain fantasy viable down the stretch all right so one last name and then we'll let you get out of here Hunter Henry was a guy that we thought was going to have a breakout season at tight end, could provide really good value against his average draft position coming into the season, but so far it really hasn't materialized. Are there just too many mouths to feed in, in Sandy? Or I did it again. <laughs> Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, with the Chargers. Well, they're going to be moving back to San Diego. So you can... <laughs> they should. Hunter Henry, you know, uh, like you said, uh, was so – a tight end is one position where players almost never perform well as a rookie. And then Hunter Henry had an amazing rookie season. Like you said, it kind of set up beautifully for him to be like a big sophomore leap. And, you know, then it just kind of hasn't happened. They've insisted, you know, Antonio Gates, don't like to speak ill of a legend, but, you know, has been, frankly, more or less done this season. They're kind of, you know, they've been insisting on keeping him involved. But yeah, despite the disappointment, Hunter Henry had kind of been getting cooking like week five to week seven, uh, been kind of up in that 570 range every week. It scored a few touchdowns. And then right before the Chargers by in week eight, all of a sudden he reverted to like his lowest snap percentage in a while and only had two catches. But kind of like Ben Roethlisberger, kind of like Cream Hunt, it was a good time, I think, for the Chargers by week. I think they're going to determine, they've probably determined during the bye, you know, we probably need to get Hunter Henry and keep him more involved and can't just keep forcing the ball to Antonio Gates, even though he's 
one of the most important players in franchise history. So I think that I, – I, I can't guarantee Henry's going to be, like, super consistent, uh, but I think most weeks he'll be, like, in the top 8 to 12 range of tight end, be a viable tight end one. And even uh, even if he's not posting like, you know, huge counting stats every week, he's such a red zone weapon that I think he'll I think his touchdown rate will increase down the stretch. And it's maybe not a, a guy that you're going to feel great about starting every week, but you can definitely feel comfortable uh, using as a tight end one. Well, Pat Doherty from Roto World, thanks again for your perspective. Thanks for joining us, and the, for all uh, an optimistic perspective. Seriously, especially. yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've kind of known on Twitter for being you know kind of a. Yeah, like a very sarcastic uh, like uh, person, and yeah, I come on the pod, and I'm just all sunshine. So, uh, you know. <laughs> so apparently, we're gonna need to follow you on Twitter if we want to get some of that pessimism back. Yeah. Uh, is, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I should have asked this before. Are you still? At, is it Rotopat? I am. Which you know, I, to me, is kind of an embarrassing handle. But my real name is too many characters, and maybe maybe they actually, along with the character count, they've extended it for handles. Maybe I could put at Patrick Darty now. But I had to go with Rotopad. It was short and memorable, and I think it's kind of corny, but it has stuck, and people seem to like it. So I am at Rotopat. All right. Well, if you want to feel better about yourself, give him a follow at Rotopat. Pat Doherty, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Value pick. All right, Des, get us started. If people are looking to cash in, where should they be looking this week? I'm looking at Cameron Brait, uh, the Buccaneers tight end. Uh, you know, I think people, some people may have come off him a little bit um, because he only caught one of four targets for nine yards last week in a loss to the Saints. It was his worst game of the season. He had been performing like a tight end one, really involved in that offense. Uh, then all of a sudden, Luke Stocker, of all people, catches a touchdown pass in that game. Not even O.J. Howard. So, you know, now there are like numerous, we talked about mouths to feed for the Chargers. There are numerous tight ends apparently to feed. But Cameron Bray's been the top guy there all season. He's got a great uh, matchup against the Jets, who allow the seventh most uh, fantasy points to tight ends. And, of course, Mike Evans won't play in this game. You know, even if, and Jameis Winston won't play in this game either. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick can... You know, he loves to just lob the ball around anyway. I think he can, like, throw enough <laughs> passes. Worse. Yeah, I mean, without Mike Evans around, I think I think Fitzpatrick can throw enough passes in Cameron Brait's direction. Brait might even be the top receiver in this game. I mean, you know, they'll have Deshaun Jackson as, as the downfield guy, and I think Adam Humphreys as the slot guy. But, you know, I think there's a decent chance Cameron Brait leads the Buccaneers in, in targets in this game. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, actually the highest projected quarterback on a lot of waiver wires this week. Uh, that's that's not a that's not Bold. a first choice, but uh, there might be some people having to start him. Uh, for my value pick, I'm going to go with Theo Riddick. Uh, I feel like I'm always going with Lions running backs in, in these spots, but uh, you know, I, I felt like Riddick has long been an underrated guy. Uh, unlike someone who's maybe a little bit more boomer bust, uh, like Deion Lewis of the Patriots, uh, who's ranked similarly this week. I feel pretty good about uh, Riddick getting a steady workload. He's tied for fifth among running backs with Kareem Hunt in yards per route run this season among running backs. Cleveland, by the way, his opponent this week, allowing nearly nine yards per catch to running backs this season. That's from our uh, our own Neil Greenberg. So I'm going with Riddick as my value pick for this week. And we saw Amir Abdullah get yanked in the last game after yep. fumbling a couple times, and he may never get a goal line carry again the rest of the way. I don't know if Riddick really makes sense as a goal line back either, but you know he, we might see him in more packages now if, if the Lions have kind of soured on Abdullah a little bit. I have an obvious caveat for my value pick, and that's if he's not benched. So Eli Manning will face the San Francisco 49ers, who are giving up the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. They're going to be throwing. The Giants are terrible. Yep. They will be slinging the ball, and I think Manning has played very well for what he's dealing with. 
And if he puts up two touchdowns, I think that's a win. If you have a bye week for Carson Wentz, as I do in a couple of leagues, Eli Manning is a pretty palatable fill-in. If the Giants are going to tank, and they should, this is a prime spot to do it because this is actually a huge game for the number one pick, right? The 49ers oh, I didn't are, even think about that. The Niners yeah. are 0-9. I mean, this is one of their few winnable games they have left, and, and you know, I don't think they want to go 0-16, so I think they do want to win this game, and if you're the Giants, you should be happy to let them do it. Definitely, and if you've got Sterling Shepard on your roster, make sure you start him this oh, week yeah. against the Niners. Absolutely, must start. That's a good point. Fire beware. 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 All right, so who are some of the scarier names you guys are afraid of this week? I'm going to go with Danny Amendola, the Patriots wide receiver for my buyer beware guy. Now, Grant, they're playing the Broncos this week. Denver just got roasted by that Eagles passing offense, oh, but it, it, we shouldn't overlook. This is still one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. Chris Harris, one of the best slot corners. He'll draw the assignment of Amendola. Uh, these stats are from ESPN's Mike Clay on 70 career routes run from Amendola against Harris. He has had six catches for 52 yards and no touchdowns. So I think this is a tough matchup. Uh, the Patriots might need to look elsewhere for production in this one. So I, I'd steer clear of Amendola. I'm looking at Buffalo, uh, where Drew Brees is going to be taking his Saints. You know, he's he's o- he's only thrown for t- three touchdowns in just one game this season. I mean, this has wow. not been the prolific yeah. Drew Brees of years past. He has just three touchdown passes over his past three games total, and he's been held under 270 yards in four of eight games. You know, and, and he's 10th in the league in pass attempts. Like, they're really scaling back this entire attack so as to run the ball more. And we certainly talked more earlier about Alvin Kamara and how great he's been doing. I think the Saints will be happy to go to Buffalo. And we also know that Breeze, you know, his, his home road splits are, are pretty stark. Uh, I think they're going to want to just, yeah, pound the ball as much as possible and maybe get out of there with like a 20 to 13 win. I mean, their defense is stepping up to the plate. They're, yeah, tied, they're tied with the Rams for ninth and fewest points allowed. So the Saints aren't, they're not getting into shootouts. And the Bills aren't right. the kind of team you get into shootouts with. They want to run the ball as much as possible also. So I just think it sets up for kind of a low scoring game. And, and Breeze not to do a whole lot for you know in terms of piling up fantasy points. In terms of real-life value, it's a great thing for Drew Breeze and Saints fans that the yes. defense has finally showed up. For fantasy owners, it's not a good <laughs> yeah, thing at seriously. all. Seriously, No, it really is. You want that guy slinging the rock. All right, well, the days of Jacksonville being a fantasy fest for any opposition is clearly over. Or are, whatever. Uh, Phillip Rivers gets him this week. The Jags just shut teams down. No quarterback this season has thrown multiple touchdowns against the Jags. Just let that sink in for a second. This is easily the best defense in the NFL right now. And, oh, there's that little thing about a West Coast team going to the East Coast for a 1 p.m. kickoff. So between those two factors, I think it's clear you're going to want to stay clear of Phillip Rivers this week. Way to end strong. Oh, boy. What to watch for. All right, Des, how are you spending your Sunday? <laughs> uh, watching this football. Is, this duh. is like a personal question. <laughs> yeah, <I mean. laughs> what segment is this? Yeah, yeah. Like, so what are you up to Sunday? Doing anything? I don't know. You want to you come hang out and watch football, Mike? I got some beers. Well, we're going we're to be at the post, so the beers, we have to put the beers on, on hold for the time being. But um, I am going to be... Oh, true. Or do we? I'm going to be watching the Dolphins running backs because we saw Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams take over the show there in the wake of the JHI trade. And, uh, you know, it was funny because I think they both performed sort of exactly as the consensus was that they would. Yeah. You know, Drake really got the early downs work and he did a lot with it. He ran for 69 yards and Damian Williams was a little bit more involved in the passing game and he got the touchdown, which you kind of thought he might have more of both those roles. Uh, and of course, that was against at home against the Raiders. So 
pretty easy matchup. The Raiders are one of the most uh, generous uh, defenses to running backs. So now they get a tougher matchup. They go to Carolina. The Panthers are the third stingiest uh, defense to fan- uh, in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs. So I just kind of want to see what happens you know, in a, in a tougher matchup. Does Kenyon Drake continue to be productive on the ground? You know, If the Dolphins fall behind, do they really make a point of throwing the ball to Damian Williams? Um, you know, Are they both just going to continue to be heavily involved? Because right now they both look like flex plays, but I think we just need to see a little bit more from that situation. I'm going to be watching Saints at Bills in Buffalo. This should be the debut of Kelvin Benjamin in a Bills uniform. Uh, what does he do for that offense? Specifically, what does it do for his fantasy value? Uh, we've been waiting all season. Who's going to be that uh, that fantasy-relevant receiver in, in Buffalo? Was it going to be Anquan Bolden? Was it going to be Zay Jones, uh, Jordan Matthews? I think Benjamin has the chance for that, but you never know these midseason trades. How quickly can they get integrated? Uh, and the other side of the ball is plenty interesting. Alvin Kamara, we've talked all about him. Super exciting to watch. And will Michael Thomas finally have a breakout fantasy game? Uh, so I'll be watching Saints at Bills, specifically Kelvin Benjamin's debut. Yeah, I think Zay Jones might even be out for that game. I think he's, he's, he had that knee injury and he's having some trouble coming back from it. So that could be all the more reason for the Bills to feature Kelvin Benjamin. Well, coming off that big Week 9 performance, I got my eye on Adrian Peterson. I still want to know what he's got left in the tank. I mean, it seems to be defense-dependent so far. He had good games against the Bucks and Niners. And then he was chasing, or rather, the Cardinals were chasing against the Rams, and he never really got into the flow of the game. He's got a pretty good test against a very stout Seahawks front. If he has a good game, I think that really pushes him into the top tier potential RB2s going forward, just because there aren't a lot of candidates there. But if he's back to a pedestrian performance, I think he's probably a high end flex going forward, and you can find better candidates elsewhere. Yeah, it's a very tough matchup against the Seahawks. So if he does well there, that, that'll say a lot for his ability to perform you know, in, in other tough matchups down the stretch. All right, well, each week we always ask you guys to give us a shout-out on Twitter and check out our content on the Washington Post. But really, if there's one thing you can do for us this week, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, whatever your preferred sound source is, and leave us a review. We really, really appreciate it. It really helps us out. It gives us feedback on what we can do better. and Tell, tell us why you're mad. Yeah, tell us why you're mad or why you love us. That, that would be preferable, honestly, than, than why you're mad. But regardless, we really need your help on this. Please take five minutes and do it. We really appreciate it going forward. I'm Mike Hume. Thanks for joining us this week. And I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.